when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. How you doing, Internet? It is May 29th, 2017. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you uh, for your service, folks who have served. Thank you, just everyone in general. And you are listening to Waypoint Radio. We are not live, but we are, at least some of us are in Lobby One at Vice HQ. I am joined today... Not by Austin because Austin is a little sick. He's he's having a he's having a time uh, with some illness. So instead, uh, I have Rob Zachney on the horn coming in from LA. Hey, happy Memorial Day! Yeah, and we also have a very special guest. Now, this is a man who listens to pretty much all of our yeah, every podcasts. Single one. Every Against single his will. episode, you could call me the biggest fan. <laughs> Tim Barnes. I've also been mistaken for Austin Walker. Oh, man. So Yeah, that's a real thing. That definitely... Do you want to tell that story, Tim? Well, there was someone who worked at an office. I don't know how much... There was an office. There was once an office. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Yeah. Maybe both me and Austin worked in said office. In this particular office. Hypothetically. Yeah. And one day, I'm just hanging out, and... Austin was out of town. Someone walks up to me and says, hey, you're on vacation. <laughs> oh, no. And I thought this was uh, how someone says, you look like you're having a good time. Oh, my <laughs> you know, God. Like, hey, I thought it was a phrase I never heard. You're on vacation. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I'm chilling. Yeah, like you thought. Uh, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm we say clearly, now. Hey, I'm man. Clearly you Tim, look like you're on vacation. And I'm having fun. <laughs> Uh, and then slowly I realized that they thought I was someone else because they were like, you haven't been uh, responding to my emails. Every time I email you, it says you're out of town. Oh, my God. Uh, and I was like, I haven't oh, checked man. my e- – that could oh. be. I think I once had a setting like that on my emails. I checked it and I was like, <laughs> I'm on vacation. I don't I don't see God. anything wrong with my emails. And then they go, yeah. And they show me <laughs> – an email correspondence. I see that it says Austin, and oh. I'm in so much shock that <laughs> I'd I'd never thought I'd be in this type of situation in my life. You yeah. know, I didn't know how to. You yeah. sure were more good humor so about just, this than I would have been. I would have well, been as a and, that, and that's when you were like, go, "Look, yeah. the only flag I've got on these emails is Tim Barnes <laughs> needs a fucking raise." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like yeah. Ooh. As a comedian, some things just go on a list of like this. This, is, this, this needs is, to be a yeah, joke. This needs to be yeah. a joke, and yeah. I think that's that helps me in these <laughs> situations. I'm a fly on my own wall. If that I, I see. I see. Well, you you definitely handled that one better. I I you know if somebody was like. I don't know if I was like, oh, the token queer or the token woman or whatever, and like that sort of thing happened. I I don't know if I would have been able to be as completely 
I feel like I would have at least made some jokes at their expense. <laughs> like I would have been like, oh, yeah. Yeah. All lesbians look alike. Yeah. I know. Isn't that weird? I, like, <laughs> don't you, yeah, like, don't you find yourself in situations like this where, like, I don't want to hear an apology right now. I don't want to see someone go through that. I want to avoid oh, it. Man. Yeah, <laughs> like the, I guess the that's sheer, true. <laughs> the sheer number of times, like, I've just been hanging out and, like, people decide they're in a safe space to tell their Mexican jokes. Oh, uh, boy. Is <laughs> real, real good. And, the, and the, uh. the, where it gets awkward now is uh, my, well, where it gets awkward, <laughs> where it gets more yeah, awkward. Yeah, yes. <laughs> is that, like, I just, like, there's a lot of times where I don't want to deal. I don't, like, I don't want to have to somehow, like, apologize to them for letting them know I'm Mexican and, like, yeah. that's not oh, cool. God. I just, like, yeah. I don't want to go fucking through it. So I just kind of, like, ignore it or just, like, yeah, whatever, move along. But my girlfriend is not going to have that shit. Yeah. yeah. And so she will be like, oh, that's a funny joke. Did you know that, uh, did you know that I was Mexican? And I'm like, <laughs> like I, you know, on the one hand, like I appreciate it. I, I do. And you know what? I probably should have mounted up for this one, too, because like, no, like everyone has heard your refried bean joke, and it's yeah. not funny. And you're an asshole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to have dinner here. <laughs> you're just trying to get through your day. I you didn't find, need that in your yeah, day, right? I feel yeah. like it's uh, it's almost a sadistic benefit when you're in those situations to not comment on it and just know. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a, a catalog in my mind of, like, I know this about you and you don't even think it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right. You think well, everyone looks alike. <laughs> cool. Not going to invite you to my fun birthday party. Like, I wonder... If that person would ever have known, like you know what I mean, like when when Austin was back in the office, oh, would so they have ever realized? Like, to the oh story. man, it, oh. it, gets it gets better, Rob. I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, I'm just going to avoid this, and it'll never. And then Austin was still on vacation, I think. <laughs> and then yeah. one day, like I kind of in this office that is not. No particular place. On the actual realm of, of, you know, of reality. This is the hypothetical yeah. office. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a dream. Yeah, it was. A, yeah. It was definitely a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could have done uh, an amazing <laughs> gaslighting thing. Like it would have been like Steve. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Where, like, this person like keeps having like meetings with Austin, and then like ten minutes well, later, that was the thing. I I remember having full on <laughs> conversations with this person, and I don't know if. If they thought I was Austin or not. (laughs) Like, I was talking to them about the Gilmore Girls. Like, a very specific (laughs) conversation about the Netflix Gilmore Girls reboot or whatever it was. Did they ask Austin about the Gilmore Girls? Like, what? I don't know. But I kind of sat diagonal from this person. Oh, my God. And so then one day, like, they walked up to me again. It was like, hey, you like, what's up with your email? Oh, God. And I still didn't do the thing because I don't like those situations. Right, but then right. I decided I'm going to send an email from my account saying, hey, I don't see anything is wrong. And then they'll notice that my name on the email isn't Austin. <laughs> oh, that's very <laughs> I think good. That, I think that worked out. That one did it. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while, <laughs> but that one did it. Weirdly, that person has never made eye contact with you since then. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's oh. good to know that, you know, in a hypothetical workspace, I could – we could fill in for each other if, if one of us oh, man. were sick. Oh, know? boy. Perhaps. Oh. Oh. <laughs> God, this is, this is so dangerous. This is like a situation where, like, 
this is really dangerous, right? Because it's like the president has a double. But it's not really double. It's right. just someone who can, like, double as the president. Nobody will notice. And so, like, basically, you know, if Timber wants to use that power for evil, he just can. Like, yeah. He totally just, could. You know, hey, do you know that uh, Waypoint is now a stand-up comedy site? Weird. <laughs> Here's my question for the Waypoint audience. Do all light people look alike? It's a good question. All I right. don't know. Do they? <laughs> Good question. Well, that's actually my, my actually that is something I do wonder about is like because I know that like in like in cases like witness identification, like yeah. cross ethnicity identification is just genuinely like generally bad. But I don't know if that's yeah. just white people are terrible at seeing the differences, <laughs> or like does anyone from one ethnicity? kind of on some level suck just a little bit at identifying individuals of another ethnicity. I, I don't know. As I understand it, it's a, a I'm not, a, I don't know, I have a PhD in psychology. <laughs> I remember something about this no, in a social riffing. psychology class yeah, yeah. that was like, yes, people generally, it like, and it's not just ethnicity, but it's like in-group kind of stuff. Like you, you consider your in-group yeah. to be whatever it is and mm-hmm. like you are just generally better at identifying things like things like age, like how old is this person? And like you happen to know more about that group, but it's, I don't know. Human beings are bad and terrible. Yeah. I thought it was weird when I met Tim and he was like, Oliver Platt, I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think we as humans have reached a cap of how many people we can, we are supposed to store in our minds anyway. Yeah. And so I, I get there sometimes like in a matter of seconds, I'll go to like, oh, like height, ethnicity, hair, like, in a matter of seconds, I realize, oh, they're not that person. You know, I was like, you're walking past somebody. Um, yeah. But I'll never have, I've never been in a full on conversation with someone. Right. That's the part that I found very <laughs> troubling. <laughs> it's like, not, it, it's not like from across the yeah. room, yeah, yeah, yeah. from across a football field. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like, I've had contact with this person. We're yeah. looking eye to eye. Yeah, We're yeah. two feet apart. Like, that's the part where I was like, that's a little bad. Yeah. That's a little bad. A little bad. Yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, I guess things that aren't bad. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a good segue, well, it might be bad. You know, what, you know what's never bad and never racially charged? Video games. Is our question bucket. Well, I was talking yeah. about our question bucket, which, by the way, Tim, it's so good that you're here mm-hmm. because on this very special Memorial Day episode <laughs> because it's a question bucket episode. Yeah. And I, if correct me if I'm wrong. But you were the person who made a Waypoint forum thread that was, what does the question bucket look like? Yes. That was yeah. you, right? I love to hop in the forums every now and then with an absurd oh. question. And oh. they, they, there were some great answers. There's one some was very like a specific one, right? Long. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it's something to, to think about. You, you know? never see the question bucket on the Twitch stream. You never hear it on the podcast, but it definitely is here. You know, I definitely had a, a very specific visual when I think of the question bucket. <laughs> and maybe this is a very New Englander thing to think. But I think of like a sweating, like a rusty steel bucket, like a fisherman <laughs> who's been doing this for 45 years. Yeah takes his bucket uh-huh. and it's sweating and there's a little bit of rust and like there's fish there's crabs I, whatever there's a couple, couple emails you know and it's all like emails but it's <laughs> it's like a very sweaty it's like a hefty thing he's wearing like a yellow slicker because uh-huh. it's a rainy day it's a terrible day in Gloucester and he just takes his bucket and he's just like Wah. there it is that's Gotta how I Gloucester. think of our 
Uh, you know, Gloucester. It's the best place, actually. It's, it's a very <laughs> special place. Very special place. So, so Tim, now that I give you that beautiful visual, I want you to visualize a number. Okay. We're going to attack. We're going to tackle some okay. questions. Just in the reach bucket. in to that rusty, Everything's about race with me goopy. today. And always, really. <laughs> and always. And always. You know. uh, but I just found out today that I'm 25% Irish. And Whoa. so my number is 25. That's very exciting. I am also 25% <laughs> Irish. You know, we got a lot in common, Tim. You guys, I know. I'm also 25% Irish. Holy shit! <laughs> is that real? Is I that real? Think- I no, for should... for real. Like I'm I'm Irish, Polish, Mexican, more Mexican than anything. <laughs> That's amazing, Rob. I'm so happy. I Never guess what been we learned so is connected. That the Irish really. Uh, they really got around. around. You know those Irish. <laughs> you know, don't count an Irish person down. All right, this one comes from Steve. I don't know if Steve is 25 percent Irish, but if Steve is 25 percent Irish, probability serves us. Oh my yeah. god! All right. In the current landscape of gaming, it would be easy to devote 10 to 20 hours a week to exploring even just the most marketed releases and still not manage to go into depth on most of them. How often do you turn to opinions and input of others to round out your gaming knowledge and experience, whether it's from experts, professionals, friends, or the wisdom of the crowd? How has that changed you both? (laughs) I think this is an older one. Uh, As you and gaming have changed. Is it important to do this even as a lot of professional coverage moves towards uh, personal experience rather than touching everything? It's so easy for me to take a factual statement like, Austin likes this game and have it transform over the course of weeks of discussion to this game is good. I like this game without any extra input from me. I see it happening and it happens anyway. How do you deal? Wow. I Well, I don't play that many video games. <laughs> I will say for movies, yes. Yes, I think it's point. important to see them before the think pieces come out. <laughs> yes. Because then the think pieces affect – your whole game plan of watching the movie. It's and true. I know some people, I love the movie Get Out. I saw Get Out before the Think Pieces came out. Good. But I know some people who saw Get Out after the Think Pieces came out. And so part of their thought process was, is this movie as woke as people are saying? Is it, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. this whole mm-hmm. other like plethora of things going in. And I think it ruins partially sometimes just going to see a movie and, like, having that conversation with the people you went to go see the movie with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely, definitely agree with that. My girlfriend is very into, okay, we need, I don't even care about this, but we need to see it before everybody talks about it so I even get a chance to think about whether I care about this or not, which is very, like... It's also very like if you're if you're on Twitter a lot. I feel like you yeah. know, are, are you in the Twitter media landscape? You will hear everything about everything within the span of three hours, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just the arc will happen whether or not you are sort of privy to it or not. Like it's just going to come at your face yeah. via Twitter or Facebook or, or that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, I when I was reviewing games, which was a, a big part of my career, I spent a couple of years doing that uh, very specifically. I would never look at another review or piece uh, as as far as I could help it on a game until I was done with the game. And then as soon as I as soon as I like finished the game and had written the review and I sent that text in, then I would go and like look at other stuff because I do think it's important to be sort of in on the conversation about stuff if it's your job specifically. I don't think that people necessarily need to do that if they don't do this for a living or don't do this for you know a, a specific hobby or, or something like that. But 
I like being in on the conversation and it helps me, you know, sort of crystallize my thoughts. But I would never let that affect the review when I was reviewing that yeah. kind of thing. Because it was like, no, this is my pure, my, you know, whatever, pure experience with this thing, right? Uh, but I, I, you know, as we don't do, you know, reviews here specifically, uh, I, I like to kind of do the balanced approach. I like to try to play things and not read too, too much about them unless I've, you know, gotten pretty far along with something, at least a, a good few hours. Uh, as uh, as Steve is saying here, 10 to 20 hours is a lot, yeah. <laughs> even just if I'm doing the, the dipping a toe into. Uh, so I try to I just try to have a balanced balanced diet with this sort of stuff. How about, how about you, Rob? How, how much are you sort of doing the discourse during and after <laughs> playing a game? Uh, so I'm like, I actually really envy... Not envy is the wrong word. I, I admire people who sort of put the blackout curtains up and like yeah. experience the thing just through their own lens and not completely informed by all the takes. Like, uh, God, this is a couple months ago now, but when we had um, Evan Narcisse on uh, yeah. weekend, you know, hearing him talk about his critical method, which is very uh, sort of like once he's into a thing, he kind of seals himself off from the conversation around it. And only surfaces into that conversation after he's gotten his thoughts clear. Uh, I think that's probably a. I think uh, my suspicion is that's a more honest and probably going to generate uh, more unique views on on different works. I just do not have that self control. Like I am yeah. in the middle. Like I will be. You know, I'll, I'll, if I, if I'm good, I will hold off on like putting pen to paper. Uh, I will hold off on reading stuff until I've like gotten a draft done. But a lot of times, like I'm just kind of I'm still seeing uh, what people are saying, and yeah, like I'm I'm fine with it. I think the 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 bigger the the bigger issue for me is I think it's very easy to it feels like it moves very fast now. Right, like it goes yes. from you should check out this thing to you have to check out th- to this thing to this thing is bad actually <laughs> to man the people saying this thing is bad are actually the real bad thing like, you know what I mean yep. and, it, and it, the sum effect of that that the speed at which the discourse like processes the these feelings and like turns hyperbole into yet more overreaction and then. Uh, that can actually turn me off of something before I ever have a chance to experience it. And that's the thing I, I watch for the most. Uh, as the that's why I still haven't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, uh, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, when people I really like are making really good arguments for a thing... I will become sort of a homer about a thing that maybe I haven't played or watched, which is a weird thing, right? Like, I will be in conversation saying, "Oh, that game, that game's fantastic!" Like, yeah, yeah, like, that, that game, that game's one of the best of the year. Like, I like Invisible Ink, but in twenty at the end of twenty fifteen, where Austin was sort of really championing uh, Invisible in, Invisible Ink, it sort of shot up in my estimation as well, probably beyond what my own reaction would support. It just became like, oh, well, this is... I've heard such good argument. I've heard such good things about this game uh, <laughs> that I played that, that uh, no, it has to be. It has to be one of the best of the year. Yeah, I, I definitely do that. I, I, I'm very, very, very guilty of that, especially when, yeah, it's not only somebody that you like, but it's also somebody who you think, like, 
oh, he knows what he's talking about. You know, like a very like, yeah, he's a, he's a wise man. He knows yeah. what's going on. He knows what's up. Like, yeah, I support that opinion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very like, I think it's a pretty natural instinct yeah. uh, with a lot of things. But yeah, it's as sure as a thing. Well, thank you, Steve. It's a good question. Yeah, that was great. I hope you're 25% Irish, Steve, because <laughs> that would have been real, real perfect. Uh, Rob, how about you? How about, what's a, what's a no- 48. We're going to 48, baby. Here we go. What was the 48th state? Alaska? Not Hawaii. No, right. Not Alaska. No, that. It was not Alaska. Probably we'll figure Dakota, it out. maybe? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this one comes from Rick. Rick says, here's what I would love to hear your take on. Do you think that gaming journalists are continuing to follow the same old paradigm they've followed for years, given that most of the time and energies are are following the AAAs while the AAAs are snubbing them? I'm talking about Bethesda's new policy of not sending advanced copies of new releases, instead concentrating on influencers like YouTubers and Twitchers. I've never heard Twitchers before, but I like that. Sorry, that was editorializing. Back to Rick. Meanwhile, Steam Spy releases a a story that almost 40% of the games uh, that are available on Steam came out last year, which would suggest that the bulk of those were from indies. Yes, I get that at least half of games are probably shovelware and barely qualified as games, but I never dreamed that so many, uh, too many games would be a problem back in 2013. Every gaming site seems to still be caught up in following the big releases and getting their reviews and comments up first. Yet, we've heard how the AAA releases of the last few months have been somewhat mediocre in sales. I'm not sure exactly when this is from, but anyway, it goes on. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take some of this out. It's a, it's a good long letter. Uh, I love games. I'm 61 years old. I'm tired of Assassin's Creed and all the big name AAA FPSs. I especially love indie games, and I'm finding it difficult to navigate through hundreds of new releases every month. I have your site bookmarked, along with most of your competitors, but you're all covering the same three games every week. Emphasis is Rick's. Well. Uh, I've read more about Dishonored 2 in the last seven days than I would ever want. Yes, I get that you (laughs) folks do spend some time with small indies. I especially liked Danielle's coverage of the good bundle on Itch.io Indies. Honestly, I get that you need eyeballs on the website, but I can't be the only indie aficionado out there, am I? So what's the problem? Is covering indie games extensively too much work for too little gain? Is it possible you're all doing the same things you've always done without looking around and noticing that things have changed in the gaming world? Respectfully, Rick. That's what we call in the business a good question. It is a very good question. The gauntlet has been thrown. Gauntlet thrown. (laughs) Now, I I do think, uh, if if I'm getting the timing right here, I think this was like around the end of last year, probably, if there was a lot of Dishonored 2 talk. Mm -hmm. And end of year does tend to be very weighted towards uh, big experiences. That's not always true, but that is sort of kind of what's fresh in your mind because the big guns tend to be thrown down in uh, you know the sort of fall release schedule so that may have been uh, a bit of that going on but and and that is sort of less true now that you know March has has become (laughs) the new you know September October November for games Uh, I I also do think that we write a lot about indie games at Waypoint uh, in particular I, I think we do, I, considering there's only six of us full-time, and we certainly write about small games a lot. But this is also a very fair point. Like, Rick is is not wrong. There's a lot of different audiences out there. There's a lot of people looking for different types of games. I, I would tell Rick to definitely go to our free play section, where we write about a tiny, tiny, itty-bitty indie game three days a week. Like, that's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday feature. 
uh, that we do. And it's also games that are free that you can just play. You can just pick them up. You can just play them. You don't have to pay any money. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do also think that Rick has a point. Sometimes we are all talking about the same thing. What do you think, Austin? Yeah, Austin. <laughs> Austin, how are you feeling about that? Oh, no. Uh, well, you know what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you already know what it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I am curious, like... <laughs> So, you know, Tim, you sort of get, you're, you sort of like, you are sort of eavesdropping on the podcast every week. You, you actually get to yes. hear it twice, maybe three times before you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. like, I am kind of curious what you make of how these conversations, you know, come to, come together. Uh, conversations in terms of like, like what, the podcast? In terms of what dominates the conversation. Yeah. What dominates the conversation? Well, I think, you know, the, the podcast functions the way people play video games, right? It's continual conversation you're it's a continual journey yeah into the world sometimes of a particular game like how long does it take you to finish player unknowns battlegrounds player unknowns battlegrounds oh boy i mean that's actually a very good question because that's the type <laughs> of game that is is a sort of evergreen game right it's yeah. not like a one single player oh you do you go to a to b to c and a thing happens and you yeah. went on a magical journey it's more like it's almost more like a sport you go in, you play a game, and yeah. then, you know, you play around, and then, you know, yeah, that's, and I would that's say that. Those conversations that dominate the podcast and perhaps the website are because some games, you know, dominate people's minds. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's and a we, lot to explore. And we're always trying. And, and of course, like, it, it just... By the way, I think I'd be a great politician because of how, how I answered this I question. I think you absolutely would. <laughs> you did a beautiful job. By the way, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds is, like, up on a Steam <laughs> window, like, over here. And he, he definitely did the thing where it's like, yep, I'm talking about that. Yeah. How much does glass of water yeah. dominate Gla- you and know, plant? Clearly, the plant needed a glass of water... <laughs> To survive, <laughs> uh, but, but like you know, to be completely honest, we we do have to. Uh, th- there is a, a a desire to write about the things that people care about, so that people will come to our website and we will continue to have jobs. That is also a thing that is real. I don't think well, that's that's you know too much of the sausage yeah. being made, but that is uh, clearly is there a, a correlation. A truth. Though are a lot of indie games that in depth that that uh, world grabbing. Some are okay. absolutely, I, and I'm probably also the uh, at a bigger website when I was at like a at, at a Polygon or something like that. I was definitely someone who probably enjoyed indie games more than a lot of AAA games. I, I still am to some extent, certainly, uh, but I do. Yeah. I also like big games. Now, I, I just kind of have a wide range of stuff that I like. What does AAA mean? Extremely high budget. Okay. Typically, right. like, uh, you know, it actually maps really, really easily onto – it's not 100 percent, but it does map pretty easily onto movies. Like an indie movie, like a mm-hmm. small production that might be weirder or more experimental or, more, or different or just made like on a shoestring versus like a, a tentpole kind of movie, like a yeah. Marvel movie or, a you know, just anything with a massive budget. Basically. Could part of it be because if, if you were to spend a lot of time – even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I guess the question isn't about spending more time on particular indie games, but do you think psychologically it's like if we wrote five articles about this one indie game, it's like we're propping it up? Whereas when you're talking about a game that's already really popular, it's you're just commenting on it. You're just kind of going along with the coverage, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a fair. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way of looking at it for sure. Or or like a, oh, you know, because they're lower budget, they don't have to make as much money or have as big of a of a fan base, so to say, uh, as something that's like a massive massive budget that needs to make its returns over and over again. So. Yeah. Yeah, the audience is a little more fractured. It's a little bit smaller, that sort of thing. Uh, just one thing I want to add here, though, is I don't think people understand how massively different the interest level is between a cool <laughs> small indie game and then the triple A release du jour. Like, you might be thinking it's just a multiplier, like, you know, three or four times as many people are interested in the big game as hearing about a cool new indie. And I really wish that were true. Like it's more I, I like think five hundred times. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and that's and that's the difference is that to an extent, until you've built up a real readership, and that's a lot harder in the day of social media, where a lot of people increasingly are getting stories through, uh, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter. Uh, a lot of you know, most people are not going to just by default read everything that comes out on your on your outlet. Like people are going to yeah. pick and choose, and what they're going to what they're going to choose is stuff that they were already on some level interested in. And that means that it's it's not going to be the, the, the cool, small indie game that very few people have, have heard of. Like, I wish it were. Like, I wish there were more room for evangelizing uh, small, great works. But in terms of what readers, are, what readers respond to, what, what connects with people... It's hearing about something they're already familiar with, and it is it is like that you know five hundred times uh, difference in magnitude between the the small indie game and then the triple A game that that everybody is talking about, and I th- I think that's really the that's kind of the pressure. I, I think it is that we're looking around and seeing how things have changed and seeing how games coverage has, has changed. And it's becoming more of a monoculture in some ways. It's, and, and that's, and that's the weird thing. Like more, there, there's more diversity in scale and in terms of who is making games than ever before. But in some ways it also feels like there's never been more homogeneity in what people are into as readers. And that's the reality we're, we're facing. Uh, it's, so if I understand you correctly, we're talking about globalization versus nativism, and what we really need to do is break up the big banks. Yes. Pre- yes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you except, got it. Except right. the banks here are readers, and so I don't fully know how Yes, the banks are the we're... readers. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we've got we yeah. to break – like, actually, no. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, actually, that analogy isn't terrible because you're talking about Facebook. And that's <laughs> to an extent that may be what you need to break up as like the the avenue through which everyone consumes their their media. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, you know, I mean maybe President Zuckerberg will get behind that uh, in a couple. Yeah, of years. President President Zuck. 
Good old yeah. Zuckster. As soon yeah, as he finishes his tour of this great land, like he's like no. he, like he's going to show up in the Waypoint offices and be talking to Tim. So Austin Walker, I hear that uh, I hear that you run a games website. Tell me, how, how's that go? Uh, yeah, me well, pretending to be Austin Walker is how I'm going to get a, a nice gig at Facebook. It's yeah. true. It is true. You know, Facebook slash President Zucker's Zucker, yeah. <laughs> President, President Zuckerberg. Zucker. Yeah, <laughs> President, Mr. President Zuckerberg. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll end on is that uh, even even if uh, stories about something we're passionate about don't do insanely well, we're still going to always write them. And yeah. we're always going to be, uh, you know, looking for things we are passionate about as well as the tentpole type of coverage. So don't worry. I think our listeners probably have a very wide range of tastes as well as Rick does here. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think... I think we're always going to try to strike a good balance, and it's always going to be a challenge, but one that, you know, I hope that we're up to. So. I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Give me another number now that another you number. said okay. such nice things. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I probably did this number last time I was here. I don't That's know. Right. But 77. 77. Star Wars came oh, out in 1977. 40 years ago. 40 years ago. You know, almost today. Yeah. Not almost, but, you know, a yeah. few days off. Yeah, this week. Seven to seven. All right, I'm getting there. There's a lot of scrolling happening. There's some long <laughs> questions. It's a, it's a big bucket, guys. It's This bucket is... Woof. Uh, this one comes from Tyler. My question doesn't really relate to politics and gaming, but maybe kind of. Hell yeah. <laughs> Over the last year, I found it difficult to hold discussions with people I disagree with as the conversations end up explosive and both sides end up angry. I'm generally pretty good at staying level-headed, but can succumb to overreaction once a conversation escalates. Gaming has had this problem for years, and typically if you don't agree with consensus opinions, you are immediately outcast. Has your team had internal discussions on trying to cultivate a reader-slash-listener community that can avoid this kind of behavior? Does the Waypoint team have a desire to create a reader-slash-listener community beyond those on social media? You can tell this one came out before the forums came out. That's all right. I'll keep reading. I'd love to participate and observe thoughtful discussions around gaming and the culture, but I've yet to see a successful place to do so. And when is the gaming community going to have an excuse to bring everyone to Chicago? I love the coasts, but I'm tired of the coasts. If Waypoint ever finds a reason to have a Waycon, it should be in Chicago. I, I support that. There should be a, a Waycon in Chicago. Waycon Chicago at yeah. Patrick's house. At, yeah, at which, his by house, the way, house I, I was so excited about your story. I didn't mention that Patrick is also out. Yet uh, he's in Montreal. Oh wow! He's doing wedding stuff, not for himself, but yeah. for a buddy. So nice. Yeah, just have it at Patrick's house. Yeah, I think is what we should do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be very happy. Pixel would be happy. The I know baby a lot of comedians in Chicago. That's kind of where I started doing stand up. So it will be a Waypoint stand up show. Is perfect. At his which, house? as you're taking over the website, as we're, yeah, as I take over exactly. the website, <laughs> you can you can make it actually a comedy. Website. You know, when I created Waypoints, uh, <laughs> my thought process was <laughs> to create a space for people to have a wide ranging discussion, yeah, but focused on a waypoint, if you will, <laughs> a positive waypoint, <laughs> a place that a lot of gamers don't. Realize they have in their hearts. Yeah, a waypoint in their hearts. A, a lot of waypoint. games are about violence, about <laughs> hurting the other person. Yeah. But we all, as a community, have a joy. Yeah, that brings us to these spaces. Oh my god! <laughs> and a stand-up I'm, I'm, comedy. I'm buying it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, by the way, it's a stand-up comedy website. <laughs> 
Uh, Tyler, I, I think, is uh, not the only person who tries to be level-headed but then gets very emotional about political conversations, <laughs> uh, something I very much <laughs> uh, appreciate. And, and you know, as a, as a a when I was a little philosophy major, I used to get into very fiery discussions and mm-hmm. also get very mad but also try very hard to be very intellectual, <laughs> very level-headed and, and yeah, just kill them with my words. Philosophy arguments sounds like a strange – yeah. Yeah. I used to find that fun. Yeah. I sure don't anymore. <laughs> it just makes me think of that fight scene between Gandalf and Saruman. Like what's actually exactly happening Exactly what here? it's like. That's, yeah. that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> it actually might be more fun if we could actually do that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very hard, especially when uh, people's feelings are involved and when people's yeah. rights are involved and mm-hmm. being played with, as yeah. they are so often in politics in America. So I appreciate that, Tyler. It is Really tough. The only advice I could possibly give if you want to engage in conversation with people you really don't agree with is to attempt to remain respectful, even if you can't keep it unemotional. Uh, Name calling (laughs) (laughs) tends to never do anything. Uh, You know, when I was at the ACLU, I had to do a lot of bridge building when I was in the communications department. There's a whole lot of trying to reach out to people. And this kind of only applies to people who are arguing in good faith, which yeah. is also a very, very slippery and difficult conversation to uh This is have, why I have actually right? stopped having a lot of these conversations, Danielle. Yeah, this yeah. Is the, that's like, the part. That's hard. Yes. In, in, like, yes. in college, I, first of all, in college, I was actually probably at my most conservative uh, because, sure. like, Oh man, like I'm out from under my like liberal parents and like no, it'd be crazy <laughs> to think that like this entire justification for invading Iraq is just trumped up bullshit. Nobody would do that. Nobody's evil like that. That's preposterous. <laughs> That's lefty yeah. conspiracy talk. And like oh. years later I'm like, oh man, like no, <laughs> no. And and it kind of it kind of feels like Everything's been that in microcosm where you realize like, oh, like this felt like a debate. It felt like if you could rationally convince the other person uh, to your way of thinking, their thinking would change. Uh, But that's not actually how our beliefs are formed or shaped or adhered to. So hell with it. I think – and I fall into this too. Sometimes I enjoy the art of debate more than actually convincing the other person. Right. Like – Actually, I'd be a little disappointed if they were convinced. I just <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to get in there. Yeah, and I just love that back and forth. You wanted to spar. If I t- you know, I love Star Wars. My favorite, other than the prequels, which the politics was bad, but take Star Wars: A New Hope, nineteen seventy-seven. My favorite scene in that entire film is when all those, uh, when Grand Moff Tarkin yeah. and all those other moffs or whatever are just in that room. I love it. Yeah, I just I I love watching. Forces go against each other with words. Like something's happening, but nothing is really happening. But somehow, there's every like important conversation. It's exciting. It's exciting. It yeah. is. A good debate is very exciting. And how you get that leverage with words? It's weird. And, and it actually has a psychological impact. Yes. Tim, have you seen Margin Call? No. I think you would enjoy Margin Call because it's <laughs> like. Watch that. Is it just like people in a conference room, but explosions are happening in the background? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there, well, there's explosions of rhetoric. Uh, it's like it's it's basically like an entire it's it's a movie about the financial meltdown in two thousand eight. Ah, oh, yes, but it definitely feels like it's a bunch of moths gathered in a conference room <laughs> on the eve of the financial meltdown, discussing yes. what they're going to oh, do. Oh my god, a Star Wars Twelve Angry Men would oh, be boy. the best. That thing would actually for me. 
That would be like, really cool. I used to get very, very into the like next generation episodes that were like legalese, yeah. uh-huh. like all legal, like You're all this the is drum a courtroom head. drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the drumhead baby, and also of course Measure of a Man. Like that is oh peak like Danielle philosophy and law and excitement, uh, you know, in the yeah, world. Yeah. I I love that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it just obviously gets very difficult when a lot of people are not arguing in good faith, yeah. and you can't really tell anymore. My my, uh, I just go with my gut whether or not I engage in these conversations anymore. If I if I honestly feel like hey maybe somebody actually is interested in having a conversation, I might have that conversation. Yeah. I might be completely wrong, and and I just kind of like do the thing where it's like go with God. You know, if if I feel like okay maybe I could get somewhere yeah. here, maybe I can have a real exchange with a human being here. I, I try extremely hard to to go outside of my extremely limited bubble of looking at the world. I try real hard, even though my opinions have not changed yeah, in yeah. the slightest after <laughs> attempting to go out outside of that. But yeah. I think it helps me. I feel like there should be a phrase and that you that allows you to enter a zone with another person. Yeah, because it's sometimes yes. it's a, it's like when you get a text and you don't know the tone. Right. Like you just need a bridge into like let's enter the conversation dome. Yes, exactly. The <laughs> like thing a from yeah. where Get you know smart, area. Yeah. Like, it but just then it's comes like down. like the pretense is that we're not like no. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Right. And let's forget about you. We can forget about anything that even happened in this conversation if we want to afterwards. Like this is just yeah, this here's is just, a safe place yeah. to have an actual discussion. Yeah. No there's no hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. There's no pooping on somebody. There's no posturing in front of a crowd yeah. to get laughs and mm-hmm. giggles. It's just like, trying it's like, to and it's you know it's it's rare to have yes. that kind of conversation. It really yeah. is. I want that. I want the conversation. And that's why when I created waypoints. Uh, yes. <laughs> Exactly. That was the entire goal. I don't know. You were making a waypoint conversation dome <laughs> yeah. for all of us. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is I would make the most boring video game. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be great, actually. By the way, the, uh, the the Chicago convention's going to be inside what we call the the conversation dome. Uh, we're not going to have panels. Uh, it's just going to be just a whole lot of real talk in, uh, oh, in yeah. inside Rosemont Horizon for some reason, uh, <laughs> and and we're just gonna we're really gonna get down. To brass tacks here. Uh, as far as like you know, internal discussions, cultivating that uh, you know that relationship. I, I think we, we've got a lot of good. Like when we set up the forums, there was a lot of emphasis placed on how we would sort of lead those conversations, and then who would be moderating them, what kind of tone would be striving for. But also, a lot of it is helped by the fact that a lot yeah. of the people who sort of follow Waypoint. Waypoint speaks to a particular audience that I think we wanted to be speaking to, and they are kind of who populated our forums. And so it's yeah. it, it feels like it's successful so far. Um, but but Danielle, I'm curious, like what what the conversations have been like around this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they can be very difficult at times. Danica deserves a thousand shoutouts, and as as well as all the mods who do the hard work of, of trying to keep folks honest and genuinely make it a, a safer place for people to talk about anything that they need to talk about, anything they want to talk about. Uh, but honestly, I, I, I will just say this. Uh, when we started out, uh, when we had the 72-hour 
live stream, we had an incredibly positive presence there. Uh, the most positive presence I've ever seen on Twitch uh, to that point in my life, basically. I, I think the only other really very inclusive and positive space I'd been on in the internet was in the Idle Thumbs community. You know, sorry, shout outs to them. <laughs> Good folks there. Uh, but yeah, just sort of cultivating like a, hey, here's what we do here. We talk about people. We have respect. Like we joke around, but like everybody has respect for everybody else and, and attempts to have respect for everybody's, you know, feelings and the places they come from. And that's just an incredibly important thing if that's what you want to make. Uh, so, so yeah, shout outs to Danica and the mods who do that hard work every day and have to you know, have to look at rules and have to look at everything on a case by case basis yeah. and all that, but do the do the good work, you know? And they do it. Yeah. All right, Rob. There should be a mod pod. Mod pod in the conversation <laughs> dome. It's a mod pod. God, that's actually a really good idea. Maybe we should have a mod pod. All right, Rob, what's another number here? Eighty seven. Oh, I love eighty seven. Here we go. Sorry, I'm just scrolling. This is 86, 87. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, this is also for the Politics again. and Games special. This is from David. David said, hey, Waypoints persons. There seems to be a divide of game creators going left while game fans are skewing right. Things like indie games dealing with issues and subject matter from a more liberal point of view, while a very vocal segment of game fans are becoming interested or involved with right-wing ideas and causes. Is that something that game creators have expressed to you? How do they deal with this? Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Been longtime fans of you. Well, David, I think it's less that uh, that uh, game fans are skewing right and more that there's just a whole lot of people in our culture that play games. And so there's a whole lot of people on the right. There's a whole lot of people on the left. There's a, probably way more somewhere in between the, the far extremes of those things. But we obviously see the most stuff from the most vocal extreme por- portions of the population. I do think a lot of game creators are fairly leftist, uh, but that's that's kind of how it works with a lot of artists and creators, kind of in general. I don't think that's unique to games by by any means, uh, but uh, certainly there's going to be game creators who are far right, game creators who are far left, and all sorts of stuff as well. There's going to be a lot of outliers, and I, it's it's a whole ecosystem, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. I mean, obviously, like the leftist on the people on the far left will have gaps of of uh, progress, if you will. Oh, for and fucking people sure. People on the far right <laughs> will have uh, glimmers of of uh, glimmers of, of glimmers of, of stepping. Yeah, stepping yeah. stepping out of that. So a that's bit. that's also part of that's it. That's also sure. Yeah, absolutely. People always impress you and disappoint you. Always. Sometimes at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Correct. I um. Uh, yeah, I, I think. It's easy to mis like a lot of game creators politics do I think skew left but at the same time like I know an awful lot who probably lean a, a bit farther to the right than than you might think um so it's it's dangerous to it's dangerous to generalize about this stuff I think the the bigger issue is that it comes down to who feels the most comfortable being vocal about their beliefs yes. I think a lot of people who sort of like on the on the game creation side uh, if they sort of have right-leaning views, very few of them are out in the open about that. Very few are, like, aggressively vocal about it. Whereas, you know, if you're making... Like, for instance, there is no way for the Fulbright company to make the games they make 
and then not also <laughs> discuss their politics. You know what I mean? Like the the, the two right. are intertwined. It's very comfortable and, and natural for them to do that. Uh, whereas, I don't know, maybe you just want to make a, uh, you know, you want to make some sort of strategy game and you might be a bit right-leaning, but you don't want that to be the focus. So you just shut up about it. Uh, and that's that's perfectly natural. And by the way, there's, that actually could be a lot of people. I'm not obliquely referring to any one person or group right. of people. It's just right. you find a lot of diversity of opinion across games development. With with where where game fans are going, um, I don't buy it. Like, yeah. I think what you're seeing is a lot of game fans who are interpreting politics through their hobby who are becoming like mobilized around their their hobby do tend to skew right while a lot of the people who skew left are kind of busy with either real world activism around like issues of inclusivity or they're making pictures of like mercy and Farah kissing Exactly. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's... So I'm very I, happy about it. Yeah, so it, it, at times, it definitely does feel like, oh, damn, there's like a lot of sort of neo-fascism mobilizing around games. Well, I think it's because a lot of neo-fascists are comfortable, like, combining their love of fascism and games into one, <laughs> yeah. into one pitch, uh, whereas a lot of people don't necessarily join like the the culture where they're interested in fighting is not necessarily you know on on the battlefield of games yes i think that's absolutely right i I also would say that uh that while we we kind of talk about the discourse in one way or the other it's also very true uh at least for myself that i am privy to a, a specific slice of that discourse as well. So I might yeah. see a lot of game creators who are very, very left-leaning, like you're talking about Fulbright, and and certainly lots of other smaller indies might actually be very, very left-leaning, but I'm also not in conversation with every game developer at this at this point in time. You know, I don't have that ability yet. You're you know? not in the conversation I'm not zone. in the conversation zone, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I definitely, I think you're correct about what? that. Yes. Just one thing that occurs to me, too, and this is the last point I'll make about this, is also what gets interpreted as political or not. Like, I guess I'm like, I was sort of saying I don't think like the leftist point of view is all that politicized in games because I tend to think a lot, a lot about what defines the leftist discourse amounts to common courtesy. Uh, so, yeah. for, like, for <laughs> me, like, you know, something we try to do at Waypoint is use more inclusive language, avoid ableist language. By the way, I'm sure there are places I have botched this. I'm sure there are places I will botch this. But in general, the attempt is to avoid saying stuff that is thoughtlessly and that is sort of needlessly hurtful or shitty and try to use like try to use turns of phrase, try to use language uh, that is inclusive and not, and not othering, othering, not alienating. I don't view that as political. I, I view that as like a step along the road to like decency, yes. but a lot of times that is interpreted very much as being a political stance. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it is, uh, you know, maybe everything is political, but, but I think that is maybe a place where someone like me is, is liable to, misunderstand uh, why people think that we skew far to the left 
because for us day to day, it doesn't feel like a political act. It just feels like, right. don't be shitty. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's as always the thing when the status quo is be shitty. Don't mm-hmm. be shitty feels like a radical act, right? Yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't feel like it at all. Like you're saying, Rob, it doesn't feel like a radical act by any means. It's it's weird that it could be considered that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So completely. what I'm gathering is that we need a Jimmy Fallon of the video game world. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Tim, I'll be honest. I think we probably got the Jimmy Fallon of video games covered. Uh, yeah. we, we maybe we have too many one. Jimmy Fallon's of video games. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got that one covered. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think in twenty in twenty fifteen, it was pretty clear that a lot of people were just a little too happy to just sort of sort of sit back there and be like, I don't know, man. I don't have an yeah. opinion on this stuff. Let me ruffle your hair a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Making a goof. Making a goof. We, we, could, we could use an Obama video yeah, games. that'd be great. We could definitely, you yeah. know, that'd be cool. We could, hey, we could use all the good, honest, decent human beings of, of everything in this, in the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's be good. Let's be good to people. Yeah. Here's or, our. Or be Or be good, good at it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. That's probably a good place for us to let you go enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day. <laughs> Again, happy Memorial Day if you celebrate such a thing. This has been Waypoint Radio. Again, Patrick was doing a, a bachelor thing, a wedding We thing, don't know something. what Patrick was doing. Patrick, <laughs> Pat, poor Patrick, got, had a lot of uh, travel mishaps yeah. on the way oh, well. there. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping he's having a good time. He deserves <laughs> to have fun. And Austin was sick, so you got this crew for your... For your Memorial Day, and, yeah. I, and I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. So, Tim, where can people find you online? You can find me at Tim Barnes four five one on Twitter. The temperature at which jokes burn. Hell yes, that was beautiful. Uh, Rob, where can people find you online? Uh, at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Oh, fantastic! You can find me at Danielle Ri, and you can find Austin at Austin underscore Walker. Walker. We know that one. Yeah. We're, we're good at that one. Uh, shout outs, of course, to Bowen for letting us use his track "Miss You" off of the of the EP "Pale Machine." That's what you're listening to right now. Yep, right now, just as it's, as it's going on, is it going really nice? <laughs> you can waypoint dot zone slash Bowen and can learn a little bit more about Bowen. You can find all of our beautiful stuff on waypoint.vice.com and many other custom URLs, including new.donk.city. I won't go through the rest of them because I think we need to get out of this room. Uh, You can find all the stuff we do there. Also, of course, on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook at Waypoint Vice, and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. So thank you again so, so much. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And I'm going to tell you to be good, but be good at love. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.